You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. download this, this myself is, this is slick for everybody following along at home we've got uh we've got a pretty pretty uh pretty neat little little we're, we're testing some new software out around here we're moving up in the world we're we're no longer basement dwelling running usb cords to four different laptops with a hamster spinning on a wheel to generate power like we're, we're stepping on up in the world like i, I do i don't know i do yeah, have one is... thing that's concerning uh is I have a constant upload going, and I don't know what that is. It still says zero percent on your end. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not good. I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll figure this out. Either we're gonna have an ep- either we're it's... gonna have an episode, or I'm gonna be like, guess what? Guess what happened? <laughs> oh, man. So if you recognize that voice, it's Jade Rains, my good buddy. I'm just going to start calling him co-host since he's here so much. Man, I, I, if if you get to the point, I, honestly, if I see a, an episode drop and I'm like, well, I wasn't on that, I'm going to be shocked, appalled, and somewhat offended. Now I'm kind of scared. I'm, I'm scared to like make my own content now without like, you know. <laughs> like, like calling you first and going, Jade. By the way, I've I'm so sorry, but I need I need to make a video and I figured you were busy. I did a I, yeah. I, I did a podcast and I didn't let you know about it's it. Fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just you know <laughs> is what it is. Well, my 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 favorite was last week. Whenever I was driving and you were like, "Where are you?" Oh yeah, it was awesome. The the episode in which cannot air. <laughs> right. One one of these days when 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 it is safe, we can air that episode. I don't know when that's going to be safe. I can't even say who the guest was uh, because of this episode. Alcohol was involved, like copious amounts of alcohol were involved, folks. I'm talking to the point like you know the you know how we go down rabbit holes a lot. Yeah, we we found an entire you know rabbit city. There was a rudiment city that we found. I don't know, are rabbits? No, rabbits aren't rudiments. What are rabbits? Am I making am I rodents? making things up now? Sounds like science it's to science. me. Trust the science. Anyway, the, you know, <laughs> I uh, we I mean, we found you know we it was a, a a rabbit metropolis that we went down of rabbit holes. Uh, we we had a very strict criteria of what we wanted to accomplish and accomplished none of it. <laughs> some things were said. Uh, X's were brought up. I think even some clothing was worn that was not appropriate, apparently. 
And uh, so, yeah, that that episode will not ever see daylight. Uh, it was absolutely great to record. Not gonna lie, it was the most fun I've had recording in a long time. And it was uh, it was somebody with a big following online. Uh, does real cowboy stuff. Um, yeah. Oh man, if you guys only knew. It'll, it'll come around it'll come again. Around. That might be one of those things. To be like, dude, listen, listen. Can I please just you know. Edit just a smidge and just put it on Patreon or something. I, Daddy, Daddy's got to pay and bills. It, it wouldn't have been so bad if he wasn't like, you know, every story being like, now nah, you're going to have to edit that, that out. That was the best part. You're going to have to edit that, that out. We would go down store, and first of all, this is a really good friend of ours. And so uh, we're not talking trash. We're just being honest. And, uh, when he when he hears this because he, he listens to the show he'll laugh too but it was like after every story it was you got you got to edit that out by the way I, I can't and I'm like <laughs> so finally like a day or two go by and I'm listening to all the audio and I'm going through it and I'm editing <laughs> it I had twenty minutes of two and a half hours <laughs> and I didn't even talk I just I was just sitting back taking it well, all and that in. was the other part was I was like Jade you got anything and Jade's just like throwing his hands up like I'm you know, listen. Uh, <laughs> like every once in a while, you every once in a while you just get a mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. You know, something like that. That was about <laughs> it, man. There was nothing else that could uh, explain it any better. The uh, yeah, it was uh, super interesting to say the least. It was absolutely fun, and um, we uh, we are definitely going to do it again. Um, the so one thing I know everybody's asking or wanting to know: Am I going to do an episode on um, about Wild on Ice? Yes, uh, it's not this episode though. Uh, I'll have uh, Flo Schmorgarner on and Jesse Router on. Jesse Ruder, I always say Router, but it's Ruder. Uh, my thoroughbred experts on, and we will talk all about Wild on Ice uh, and how tragic that was. Um, Definitely going to talk about some breeding on that episode. So not say Jade's not well versed in the thoroughbreds, um, but I got to get my off the track thoroughbred trainers on, and Jade to be here too. It's okay, Jade's always here. If I were to record that without Jade, he'd probably throw eggs at my house. I, you know what you you brought up the subject of thoroughbreds, and I know something that I want to talk about this evening. Oh shit! How? If especially leading up to the Derby here, you know, Derby's next weekend. I've been thinking about this all day. Had Sham been born any other year, he would have been a legendary horse in his oh, own right. See, we all right. So here's the thing: I've beaten that to death. Ah, uh, I've beaten that to death, and here it is. Here's. I, I Do you was, want my honest take? All day, I was thinking. I was like, "This I is could, awesome." And, and we this can talk about that for a minute. Like, I've, I've talked about it like agnosium. Um, and in fact, I think on one episode we talked uh, with Flo and all, but I'm happy to talk it again because we've gained a bunch of new listeners, and I know none of them are going deep into the catalog and listening to all these shows. I would sure hate to know you weren't doing that; that you were only listening to the new stuff. I didn't know that this existed until this recently. Bullshit. You did. <laughs> the uh but anyway, so um my honest opinion on Sham is if Secretariat hadn't existed in seventy three, 
uh, Sham would have been a Triple Crown winner. Bingo. Uh, and everybody goes, well, what about Belmont? Well, if Secretary had been there and, and Sham ran his absolute leg literally off, um, he would have won that race. You got to think, Sham and Secretary at the Belmont had completely pulled away from the entire pack, and it took Sham literally breaking his leg. Uh, I do not it, think it Secretary would have pulled, what was it, 32 links, 31 links, something like that, ahead of everybody? Yeah. Uh, would Sham in that race? Wouldn't no, happen. No, no. Uh, we would be, if Secretary had not raced, uh, or if they, if, you know, Secretary <clears throat> going into the Kentucky Derby that year, um, was brought up, people were in love with him, but he was kind of, people were in love with him because they looked at him as kind of a slight underdog. Uh, because the two horses yeah. to beat going into the Derby were Angel Light and Sham. That's who everyone was talking about. And then mm-hmm. they were talking about, oh, and also keep an eye out on the Secretariat horse. You know, it could be something. It was literally like that. That's what it was. You know, I'm not going to say he was a, he wasn't no 80 to 1 horse or anything like that, but he was kind of like that other kid. That, oh, well, and by the way, if you want to look at a dark horse or you want to look at somebody to keep an eye on, this horse Secretariat might be another one for you. But it was Angel Light and Sham going into the Derby that got all the attention. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, especially this time of year, it's streaming all over the place. People are watching the movie. Yeah. You know, the, the sa- I, same I, I here. You know, the, it, the Disney Secretariat. Absolutely amazing. It, it is. It, it, and we have it on repeat upstairs. Yeah. My, my wife is gung ho. My, my daughter Kentucky hasn't Derby. seen it yet. And that was the plan tomorrow night. Is I'm not doing anything social media, and I'm going to sit down and let my oldest daughter watch because it is it is it is a great movie for the whole family. There's enough adult humor in there that the kids are not going to get uh, that you don't have to explain. That's still funny, um, and enough stuff in there for the kids to keep their attention. I mean, it's pretty horses, right? You know. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna let my let my daughter. Sorry, I'm. I'm trying to pull something up. Uh, watch it. No, no, you're good. Watch it tomorrow night. Well, here, here's the thing. And, and the movie doesn't really highlight it. Bull Hancock had his hand in both of those horses. You know, to some extent. Uh, Sham was born at Hancock Claiborne well, yeah. Farms. You know, and, and Bull was a big advocate for Secretariat at that time. And that's where Secretariat went for breeding, following the Triple Crown. Um, you know, you got to have a villain and a good guy in every but movie. But that was not the case, you know, um, in in reality. Like, you know, you look at Secretariat, the Disney Secretariat, amazing movie, not 100% based in reality. Like, it was not. Like, they, they made Sham kind of to be this antagonist and sham was an antagonist you know to secretariat but the relationship between penny uh and sham's owners were, were you know the what blue what blows my mind is what a lot of people don't know is everybody thinks about sweet miss penny secretariat's owner do you know that there was a literal cuss fight that almost went to blows with the owner of angel light before the kentucky derby 
And they mention yep. the only yep. time you ever hear the name Angel Light in that movie is, um, I think, called a post or something like that on one of the races you hear uh, in a whatever position Angel Light. Like, that's it. I mean, yep. and I'm like, hold yep. up. Wait a minute. You know, I mean, that horse should have been like, that was the that was the big thing. And the, and the crazy thing is, is, ow, shit. Sorry, I dropped my phone. Um <laughs> You know the, the 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 crazy thing is is if I'm not mistaken, uh, Lucian Loren trained both horses, and yeah. that was the yeah. big problem. You know. Also, can we add John Malkovich acted his ass off in that movie? He should get an he, I love he that get guy. An Oscar for that. I, I I love everything he's in. I think the first thing I ever saw him in was that movie Burn After okay. Reading, which is the most chaotic. I mean, it's a Quentin Tarantino type I mean, movie. Yeah, it's my type of movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, that was the first thing I ever saw him act in. And uh, and then seeing him in Secretariat. Yeah, I mean, he hey, he... he if, yeah. if anybody is going to play Lucian Loren, it's going to be John Malkovich. From now on, I when I think of, of, of Lucian Loren, I think of John Malkovich. I don't think of the real guy anymore. I, I just think of him... And, uh, oh, what's her face? Uh, Diane Lane sitting there and she's picking on his hat. Yeah. Right. That's all I think about now. That's my favorite line. My favorite scene in that movie is when he's describing Secretariat to Penny. It's like, yeah. you know, he's yeah. 1,100 pounds of baby fat. You know, he's lazy. You know, this, that, and the other. He's going through the whole thing. Last one out yeah, of the gate. Li- yeah. And then it's like, I do got a question. You know, how much do you spend on that hat or some shit like that? You know, like, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, oh, gosh. That movie is just, it's, and it's full of some great one-liners, too, like that. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, and what's, what's also funny to, to me, you know, when we sit back to, I remember back when the first time we ever saw it, you know, my, my wife's a big Nicholas Sparks fan. And uh, she's like, oh, that's, uh, you know, she she played in Knights and Rodanthe, and I'm sitting back. No, she played Lori in Lonesome Duck. Oh, you're talking about Diane Lane? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Um, I, she's, I mean, she's played a bunch of stuff, though. She has. She has. But it's just, just start to finish. It's an all around, like you said, a good family movie. It really movie. is. It's a really good family movie. Um, Again, don't go into it thinking of it as a historical piece. It's based in history, loosely based in history. Okay, it's just a good movie. Um, I used to be one of those people, like being a history guy. Like movies used to irritate me, and, and there for a while, I just would not watch movies, especially historical dramas, because I knew they were going to take you know um, some artistic whatever with it, and yeah, and it was just going to irritate me, like. You know, I think the last movie where I left the theater and was like, yeah, okay, was Saving Private Ryan. 100%. You know, outside of that, 100%. you know, I was always, you know, I was the same way with Secretariat. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, really? You know, th- this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And then, but yeah, and it irritated me because in the back of my mind, I'm like, they're going to make sham out uh, everyone in that organization just to be douches, and that was not reality. It, it, it's like I said. Every movie needs a hero and a villain. 
even when it comes down to horses. Well. And that was how it played out. I mean, it kind of reminds me of something else. It would be like uh, um, making a movie. Um, Hold on. I'm going to take exactly what it would be like. Keep talking while I look this up. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I had to double check. I had to double check something. It would it would seriously like making a movie about a firm and making Aladar out to just be trash. Yeah. Well, but that yeah. organization, let's just go ahead and face it, at that time that organization was not not the shining bright light on the hill. So that that would work. Okay, that would work. Yeah, that one would work. That would yeah. see you can make a villain out of out of that organization there with Aladar. So we're we're good. <laughs> that it, you had to bring up. That, I, I'm going to start us down the rabbit hole. You you had to bring up Saving Private Ryan. You know this is a podcast about the horse world, right? I know, I know. Well, you just you brought that up. That got me starting thinking Band about Brothers. the. Uh, Band of Brothers miniseries, and which was good. There were there were we parts go. of it I was kind of like, eh. but to bring it back around to horses, I told you that I've got two McClellan saddles. Yeah, I now. need those, by the way. Yeah, didn't I? They they'll fit potato mare. I, I'd say they would fit potato mare. You know, I, all this that you've talked about her, I didn't realize that she was a paint. Yeah, she's a she's a Pinto Morgan cross. Yeah, I I didn't know that. That, I was. That, I always just expected a regular old bay yeah, horse. That, that head is Morgan. That ass is. I don't know. Like <laughs> she's. She's like if you widen and lower the Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> you know. Bless her put heart. A Buick face on it. Bless her I heart. Love, you know. I mean, I I've, love that horse. I, I've never. I've never seen. I've never seen an entire picture of her. I just oh. see her head and you going. Yeah, drinking a beer. Yeah, that's what I did. You know, shout out yeah. to Zebras. Use my code J Ryan for ten percent off. By the way, um, do you have a button uh, for that? No, I don't have a. I, actually, I got a Herd of Zebras commercial button here. We'll be hitting all the commercial buttons here in a minute when we take our commercial break. Okay. But um, yeah, no, it, she's she's put together okay. Like she's not, uh, she's not put together where you look at her and go, ugh. Like she's she's a compact horse. She's she's wide, uh, built. Definitely built for feed, not speed. And I don't care how you how you lean her up or what you do to her, you're not gonna get she's just not built she's not built to be a runner. She's a stocky gal. And uh That's okay. But uh she's been That's all my yeah, horses. She has been a great pleasure horse. Um you know, when I got her she was completely emaciated. Like I didn't even know she was gonna live the mate ride home. And uh <laughs> and literally lived on uh, the best groceries I could buy uh, to put weight on her. And then I realized she didn't need that because she got overweight just as soon as she started gaining weight. <laughs> and, so, and then, like, immediately, like, the vet's like, I don't, why don't we just try a forage diet on her? And I was like, okay. So we put her on a forage diet, and now she lives on air. Like, I, I, she must be, I don't know, she must be, like, part mule or something because she literally, like, she, she, li- she literally, like, eats like a donkey and stays fat. Right. And shiny, right. like a well, lot you of know, horses that are on like forward diet stuff like that. They're a little dull. Not her. Like she's just shiny. It's like if there's an inkling of fat in anything she eats, it goes straight to her coat and ass. 
<laughs> well, that's like that Dunn mayor of mine, Raina. You know, I, I walked out there the other day and I'm like, holy shit, you've gained like 50, 60 pounds. It's that good, it's that good Easy. Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah, it's fescue. That's what she's eating. And uh, she, uh, I was like, nope, it's it's grazing muzzle season for you, honey. <laughs> the Speaking of fescue, so uh, we just got through building a, a big tractor shed, like a, a um, 100 by 170 tra- tractor shed. And um thing's massive. And it's right next to the guy's cow pasture, and he's got Angus herd. He's got a big, nice, yawn Angus bull out there with him. And he rotates his pastures. I'm in South Carolina, and uh, we grow pretty good grass around here. And uh, so he, uh, he's he got fescue sowed in everything, right? And uh, he had rotated the cows out of, of one area. And we kept noticing this field growing and growing and growing. And I looked at a guy at work and I said, he's got the bush hog that before he lets the cows back in there. He's going to lose the cows. Lo and behold, we get over there one day and he's turned them cows back up. And all you could see was ears and the top of their heads. <laughs> I'm telling you, the grass was that tall. And a guy I worked with, uh, he looked at me and he looked at them cows. He goes, you know, he goes, if a cow ain't happy in that, you can't make it happy. You need to just go ahead and turn that thing into a hamburger. <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." I said, "If a cow's not happy in there, you just ain't gonna make that cow happy. Like you don't, you're not hearing the ball. They ain't coming up to the fence. They ain't even curious about what we're doing. All you see is the grass moving and a head poke up from time to time to look around, and it's back down. It's, it's like a velociraptor. It really is. It's, yeah, it's like it's like the velociraptor from Jurassic Park. So I went to a uh, a fescue clinic. At uh, uh, Spy Coast Farm up the road, the extension agent was putting it on. And, like, I had always heard. What extension? You know, uh, don't graze your UK? mares. Go ahead. I said, what extension? UK? Yeah, UK extension agent. Mm, old wildcats up there. Right, right. Do y'all know anything about the right. up there? Because y'all don't, know anything, Lord, y'all sure so. don't know anything about football. And I th- I'm starting to think y'all forgot about. That, that's another. I'm starting. That's an that's another rabbit hole we don't want. And to I'm down. starting to think y'all forgot about basketball. Basketball, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. My my basketball viewing pretty well ended with Tubby Smith. Oh, well, that's when uh, that was the beginning. Well, of coming the end. coming from a fan of a football school, I, what is basketball? Like, what's that? As now? A coming from a fan of a football school, I, what's basketball? <laughs> Is is it where we go out there and squeak around hardwood and then lose? Because if if that's basketball, and I've seen a lot of that. Well, that's what we're seeing nowadays. We used to have a good baseball team, and then that's kind of went pot. And then for two years in a row, Texas A&M's beat us in equestrian, and I'm I'm about to stop sending them a donation too. You hear that, (laughs) University of Georgia? Step it up. Like seriously, the school that has more equestrian championships than any college on the planet literally is losing to the 12th man every year down there in in east texas yeah no 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 no, no. first of all we don't even consider them an sec school it it, it takes at least 20 years before you'll be recognized so have a seat um also your mascot's a collie and we don't get down with that there's there's only room for one dog in the (laughs) sec and it's an athens 
Um, there's nothing intimidating about a collie. I'm sorry. And you have yell practice with dudes in overalls. You can't talk about our spike squad or how we'll bark in your face or anything like that. I'll tell you something about barking in your face. If we choose to bark in your face, that is something from the heart. It's almost like a term of endearment. Okay? All right, continue about going to the extension in your fescue clinic. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you said that because I'd already forgotten what we were talking about. I'm glad I got back on track because I was about two sentences away from (laughs) forgetting myself. So so I went to this clinic. You know, I'd, I'd always grown up saying, you know, graze them. You can graze them on fescue up to the last trimester. That clinic had me terrified to put them on like a field with two percent fescue by the time they were done. Yeah, and and then I and you know I, like I I paid forty dollars to attend this thing, which is not no. a ton of money, but still, like the last two hours were commercials for like three different seed companies. Yeah. I left early and. Went and got a Big Mac on the way home, but I was like, "You got a big." I don't know if I want to. You got breed. a Big Mac from something that's fed on fescue. The, exactly. It, here's the thing. So, and like these clinics are, and I don't want to. I don't want to like downplay. I've been to a few of these little things. Like my parents were into heritage and rare poultry for a while, and they they were they had they had like three hundred birds at one point in time, and they would go to these clinics and stuff all the time. And, folks, let me go ahead and explain how a lot of these works. Nine times out of ten, they're put on by a feed mill. Like, that that's that's how that works. Like, they will put, a feed mill will put these things on. And so, they will always try to work in and a product like, and then boom, it's an instant spot for, like, whatever feed mill. You know, it, it, Perina or, or you know, Seminole or, or you know, who, whoever, whatever. Insert whatever feed meal you want here, but and it's nuts. They'll have you. They'll have you absolutely scared to death. Like I've seen them for you know. I've been to different clinics like that for horses. I've been to different little clinics like that for poultry. You know, goats, uh, cows, you name it. And if you walked away and did everything they said, you would not be able to afford to have livestock. Like it's nuts. Like I went to one one time. Uh, with my parents and it was uh all about chickens you know and mom's like hell maybe i'll learn something my parents have been raising chickens for 40 years 40 years rare you know endangered uh breeds that they are trying to preserve right and these people you know like i said they're half the time they're put on by a feed mill and they're talking about, you know, this, that, and the other. And then the whole time I'm looking at mom, mom's looking at me like they're talking about, like, you know, prevent things to prevent, you know, disease. But then they'll go into, like, the details about diseases that we have not seen in 30 years go through poultry. You know what I mean? Right. You know? Yeah. And then how to treat, uh, you know, how to treat, you know, like, minor stuff, you know? And you know, like one was like I forget what it's called. It's where they get gunk in their eye, and uh, it, you know, Dad's like, Dad's like, why don't they just push out the gunk and just put eye drops in their eyes? 
And I'm like, I don't know. And so, and this guy's like, we need this product, and then we need to match it with this product, and then this product here, and then this bird needs to be separated. And I goes, why don't you, why don't you have a quarantine cage? Quarantine. And just, and just smash the gunk out of the eye. And just put some eye drops in. Like halfway through the thing, like my dad looked at me, and then I looked at mom, and we just got out and walked out. Like I was just, and, and we walked away, and I'm like, "This is the stupidest shit I have ever heard." Well, I went on. They had a they had a big one a few years ago. Perina put on a thing for equine nutrition, and uh, they gave everybody little certificates when they got through, right? Saying they had went through this class now. I'm a fan of Perina feeds. I feed Perina feeds, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, do you like Perina? Yeah, because I'm not an idiot. They have one of the finest. Um, and you're not and a millionaire. Not a millionaire. Uh, and, but, you know, Perina has one of the, the, the absolutely most awesome clinical farm I have ever seen where they test their feeds uh, and stuff. You're not going to find a finer facility. And all these folks talking about, well, you know, they put stuff and make your chicken and stop laying eggs. Mine didn't stop laying eggs. Uh, they slowed down because the weather got cold. Um, that happens, by the way. FYI. Um, you know, everybody, you know, it's funny. Like, everybody in November you know, uh, and December talking about, oh, my God, the chickens stopped laying. Perina's putting stuff in the feed to cause an egg shortage. No, hens just don't lay as much. Uh, I'm sorry your backyard flock are not commercial layers. They're not going to lay through the winter like right. leghorns are. <laughs> and the reason that there was an egg shortage, uh, you know, there was this thing uh, called, what was it? Was it bird flu or some shit like that that went through and, and, and killed? <laughs> one of the one bird, bird flu. there's been how many? went through and killed, I don't know how many million birds or something. So, yeah. Okay, Tina in the cul-de-sac with two chickens. Sure, they're putting something in the feed. You know, irritates a piss out of me. <laughs> oh my God, and like I'm not yeah, against I, I I'm not been. against hobby farmers. Like I am not. I'm totally not against hobby farmers. But if you've got, but they need to have their expect. You know, they need to have realistic they expectations. They do not. And that's the thing. A lot. And I'm not saying everyone. I'm just saying, here, hobby farmers, hear me out. If you're a hobby farmer and you're listening to this, hear me out. Here's the thing: running a hobby farm for ten years. Um, is gives you no right whatsoever to tell a guy who's a third generation rancher what he should be feeding cows before he sends them to the market. End of discussion. You have no say. Stop. And we're, we're done, done with it. it. Yeah, you you no. Sorry. Your your little few years there having, you know, two rabbits, uh, a half a chicken, uh, and a lame goat does not give you a right to tell a third generation rancher what he or she should be feeding their livestock no full stop full stop yeah that that's the most irritating thing about i mean i get oh i know i know but you know i've been a purina advocate for years you know i was in i was in the the bird dog business field trialing dogs you know purina pro plan was my go-to here's here's why i feed purina are you ready for it when i was on the road showing my horses were on uh, Omeline 200. All right. When I was on the road showing, I needed a feed no matter where I was at. I could walk in anywhere and find. Guess what is e- exactly. guess what is everywhere? Perina. And I know everybody's yep. like, well, if you buy enough, listen, honey, not everybody's got a 40-foot goose they could put a pallet of feed in, you know, and stack 60 bells of hay on top and hook it to a... 
you know, uh, a day cab international and pull around. Like, seriously, I was in an F-250 with a two-horse trailer, uh, you know, didn't even have a changing room in the thing, and here's, you know? Here, here's the thing, too. A lot of these people, you know, horses, chickens, pigs, goats, whatever, look at the fine print on your feed and see if the feed that you're feeding is not milled by Purina feed. Even if it's under a different name. Like, I work, I won't say their name, but I work for a pretty big local feed mill for literally a day. And then I quit, and I was like, it's too much work. Because literally, they were, they had three (laughs) guys trying to run everything. And one quit while I was there. The first day I was there, one guy quit. And then they were like, well, you're going to have to do this, do this. And then the other guy quit. And then the guy's like, well, show's yours. And I'm like, I've literally been here a couple hours. So I was like, I quit, you know, I'm done, I'm out. But anyway, all, they make awesome product. I stand by their product. I'll still buy their product from time to time, especially if I've got something that's hard to keep. Won't say the company, though. Uh, I'm not going to do that to them because the guy's a really good guy, and he makes a really good product, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm running him through the mud. Um, but so anyway, um, they milled uh, for two other, uh, two other feed companies. Like we would do... Uh, that stuff. And who were they? Uh, the the two other I won't say because it's easy to trace it back. You could look at the tag and see who who was doing it. Okay. Uh, okay. And I mean, you know, they're they're not. This company is not big. Like you know, this company is probably as big as Orangeburg Mills, if not a little bigger than Orangeburg Mills. Like we ship feed all the way to Ocala. That, okay. That tells you anything. Okay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so back to what I was talking about. So, you know, these clinics they put on, but they, Perina put on this equine nutrition clinic. And so, again, this is not a jab at Perina. This is a jab at a very particular person. And they were handing out these little certificates saying that you had completed the equine nutrition Perina course. It was literally like a two-day thing. You paid 100 bucks, and you went, and they, they told you how to feed your horse. Like, really, that's all it was. Like, how to deal with hard keepers, you know, how to deal with horses that just blow up like blimps, you know, special needs horses, horses with different illnesses, things like that. You know, they covered things like horses that were sensitive to certain things, you know, horses with ulcers, horses with Cushing's, you know. It, it, was, it was a neat, it was a neat deal. I went through it. I think everybody should do something like that. Yeah, they pushed some of their products. It was a way for them to, to push some of their products, but the information was really, really good. Like, they had equine nutritionists there. They had veterinarians there. Like, it was it was really it was really good information. Again, they were trying to push their products. You know, use this product from Perina when you run into this, you know. But, but, but they were talking about this is how you should feed it and look out for X, Y, and Z with your horse and this, that, and the other. So... Somebody that went through this with me, and I, I recognized them locally as someone who was kind of a backyard kind of horse person. Not knocking, but I was a backyard horse guy forever. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a backyard horse, folks. Um, but they were just a backyard kind of pleasure rider. Um, didn't show, had no degree in equine science, no degree in equine nutrition, nothing, nothing like that, right? They took this little certificate, they framed it, took pictures of it, and then started advertising herself as an equine nutrition consultant. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So then I made a video. Okay. And this person no longer talks to me. Even though I didn't name them. 
I didn't name them, but I was just like, okay, folks, all of my followers, listen. If you know, if you, you know. If you know, you know. Um, your friend that went to a weekend clinic is not an equine nutritionist. Do not listen to them. Like, if you, ne- if you right. need an equine nutritionist, go find an equine nutritionist. Uh, not not Barrel Racer Betty that, that <clears throat> went to a weekend clinic. And I'm not knocking Barrel Racers because I was a Barrel Racer. I'm just saying, you know. But yeah, don't don't do that. God, you have to be so careful. You got to be hey. so careful. You can just offend everyone these days. Spe- speaking of which, did, what about that ad that I sent which, you? Which one? Those two, those those two core ads. Oh yeah, I kind of want those. If if I had room, was that the here, ones where you said if I wasn't at full they, capacity, I'd jump all over that? Yeah. Yes. I yes. Core apps. Core apps are the those, shit. Those two. Man, I'm those. You. Those two big pintoed up. Yeah, I could have done. I, core I abs, done yeah. Pinto, but yeah, it's just me. <laughs> I mean, you I got do. one. That's enough color for me. She's she's already too bright for the barn. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. No, I mean, I love, I love, I love, I love a, a pintoed horse. But um, man, if I just when I'm for some reason, I just had this bad habit like with performance horses. Like if I walk up and it's flashy. You know, like with white or something, uh, got a lot of color on it. Like I'm just like strike one, and I start looking for strike two on that horse. Like I just, for some reason I am just I don't know I'm stupid. That's probably what it is. But like I'm telling on myself because it could be an absolutely perfect horse, and there could be one that is literally slightly less less athletic, and it'd be red or bay, and I'll go with the red or bay because I'm stupid. You know. <laughs> Well, you know, for for me, you know, all those years messing with Rocky Mountains and whatnot, you know, we had a lot of spotted saddle horses, and uh, those always are going to kind of be near and dear to me. So anytime I see a nice colored up horse, it kind of turns yeah. my head. I can, like I said, I can deal. I can deal with Pinto. It's just when they just start getting spotted on their butt only. That that worries right. me. <laughs> then I'm just like. Then I'm just like, are you are you sane? Are are are? Do you have a mane and tail? Okay, you have a mane and tail. That's plus one. Yeah, all my happy people are literally their faces are melting right now. I don't hate Appaloosas. It's a running joke. Wink, wink. Um, I just I just don't like. That's just a breed I've never really had any interest in owning. I'll just be quite. I mean, like you could show me one right now, and it'd be perfectly sane. There's only one Appy on this planet I want. And that's Flynn the Mule. That that's 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 <laughs> Mule Flynn in Appaloosa Mule, and I mean, I would I would do some pretty sketchy and nefarious things to to get that mule. There there has been one Appy horse that really caught my attention. This was years ago, and it was a Walkaloosa. Why would you do that? And well, he, he look where I'm coming from, you know, lifetime gated horses. And I was like, that's that's a pretty cool horse. That's a pretty cool horse. wasn't enough wasn't cool enough for me to sink any money. Because into. and here's the but I was like that that's a and, that's, and that's a neat one horse. of like the strikes against them for me is like the price people ask for walkaloosas. Because I'm yeah, just like yeah. Ugh. Well, and you know, for for me it at the time. It's just something you don't see often. So that was a big, you know, like it's just it's not something you see often. That's cool. I'm such a basic bitch. Like when it comes to horses, I'm what? Well, which okay, everybody says I'm bougie. 
I think I was 19. I think I was well, 19 yeah, but, when I saw okay, it. Well, so. being 19, that would impress the shit out of me. Like, I would have just been like, oh, yeah, I got I to gotta have that. Exactly. Right? You know, 40 year old me is like, uh, I wouldn't touch it with your 10 foot stick, you know? But, <laughs> right, you know, right. That guy also had a gated curly. Just another one that I'm just like, eh. Like, it's cool. Like, I see it. Like, okay, Walkalooses <laughs> are cool. Appaloosas are cool. You know, curlies are cool. I just don't want them. Like, I, 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 curlies just, personally, curlies just do nothing for, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I look at my ratty looking dog that's laying around here do, and I'm like, do, he's got hair not, like a curly. Do not do that. Oh, I agree. My dog's oh, way better looking. My email is going to be full. Okay, you can email. It's jade underscore. Um, no, they, they don't do that. Like I, I, Jade's opinions do not reflect my opinions or the opinions of our sponsors. Um, Here's the thing. Everybody has I their like preferences. I just the don't want to own day. a curly. I have no use for a curly. Because like, I when I look at horses, I look at what can you do for me in my world? Like, I don't have horses that I just go out there mm-hmm. and want to look at, right? Like, purpose. I, I buy horses with purpose. And so that's where either people tell me, oh, you've got really bougie taste or you've got really basic taste with me. Like, And the folks that say I'm really basic is because I'm out there, I'm looking at off-the-track thoroughbreds, I'm looking at, you know, uh, racing quarter horses, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at um, standees, stuff like that, something athletic, Um you know, if if I'm not looking at that and I'm looking, you know, Warm Bloods, uh, I love, you know, Oldenburgs and Holsteiners and Dutches. Like, I love Warm Bloods, you know. Now you're getting no, bougie. I mean, it's not bougie. Cleveland Bays, Morgans. Okay, yeah, a little bougie. Um, but I love those types of horses. Um, but again, off the track thoroughbred, racing quarter horse. You know, even the lines of a quarter horse that I like, like, I get so many people that assume I'm a quarter horse guy because I've literally made a living on the internet talking about the history of the AQHA. When I'm like, no, no, not really. Like, they're they're in my top five favorite breeds, but they're not near one, you know. And it just blows everyone. How how can you say that? That's the most, you know, uh, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, it's really not. Like, it's really not. Like, they can do a lot of yeah, things, yeah. and they can do some things really well, but they can't do everything really well. Like, there's a reason. Well, you know, with, it, like you're talking, it, you know, everybody's got their taste. Everybody's got what they like. I love my Mars Tackies. Yeah. But if you don't think for one second that once we get moved to the new property, I won't have a Rocky Mountain or a Spotted Saddle Horse hanging around, you're, you're crazy. That's, that's what, what I grew you, up that's on. What you I love them. That's what you, same way with me and Morgan's, you know. Like, it's just, I've had several Morgans by this point in my life. And I've had really good luck with Morgans. I like the Morgan build. I like what Morgans can do. I like the brain of a Morgan. Um, and, you know, uh, I've had several thoroughbreds. I love thoroughbreds. Um, have not had a standard bred yet. And that I, I might have to go out there and find me a, uh, an old X-Pacer and give it a shot when I'm ready for another horse. <laughs> Now I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I had a, I've had a couple, you know, standard breads. There is just something about a horse that you have to turn your hat around backwards because it's going to fly off if oh, you yeah. don't and getting that pace up there. I mean, and it's, they're, there, there's they're, nothing they're like smart. it. Uh, 
they're super chill horses for the most part. Like, if somebody's out there going, I had one that was a nut. Well, I'm sorry you had one that was a nut. But, like, most of them, I bet you can say that about every breed on the planet, right? Like, I defend Arabs a lot. And a lot of people are like, I wouldn't have one. And I'm like, well, you've got to approach Arabs like this. Why did you get an Arab, and what were you trying to do with that particular Arab? Like, did you get an Arab yep. out of a line that's known to be, you know, uh, had a, you know, out of a line that had a really, really big motor that wanted to go, and you tried to rein that in, and that horse got really irritated? Because if that's the case, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like, I yep. have seen, yeah. I've seen, well, you know, there are ranches that still have Arab lines out there, like... Like, punchy Arabs are a thing, you know. It blows people's minds when they hear that. Um, there are Arabs that really know how to harness that motor and are great at endurance. There are racing Arabs that know how to use all that energy at once. There are, are super chill Arabs that, you know, are in the dressage arena. It, it all depends on the Arab. Like It's almost like horses are individuals. Oh, wow, what a concept, you know. <laughs> well, you know yeah. so, well, I, I will say, you know, since I got started with the tackies, I, I will die on the hill that they are one of the most forgiving, tractable horses I've ever dealt with yeah. as a whole. Now, you you go out there and deal with my Dunmare Raina, she breaks every rule in the book. I mean, she's she's an outright bitch. But for the most part, I mean, I, I own five now, counting the the little done stud colt, but three of the four will do anything you ask them to do without hesitation and are easy going and quick yeah. to learn. So that's what drew me to them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's what I think it's what draws a lot of people to, uh, a lot of, a lot of different breeds. It is, again, it's what they do for you. And if you have a connection with a particular breed or not, same way with people with dogs, like, you know, like, you know, you have a lot of people like, oh, I wouldn't, you know, German short hairs are really hyperactive. I, I, you know, well, no, German short hairs need a job. And if you have a German short hair and you're trying to make a, a lap dog out of it, it's not probably not going to go very well. Like, you know, but one, yeah. One, exactly. Exactly. One of the things I do want to draw people to, though, are, are these sponsors. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right. We actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there will be a link there to the merch store, and you can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store are, is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Aaron as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses, for crying out loud. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our latest partner here on Behind the Horse's Eyes, and that is Herd of Zebras. You can find them over at www.herd-of-zebras.com. And Herd of Zebras is more than just an equestrian lifestyle brand. It's a global community of just badass people who inspire others with their perseverance, grit, compassion, and authenticity. And what other people might call scars, whether it be physical or emotional, they call stripes. 
It's the experiences and the hardships that cause us to become stronger, kinder, and braver. Unlock all of that over at Herd of Zebras. I wear their shirts constantly. I was lucky enough for them to send me some swag. Um, I've done some promotional stuff for them. I'm going to tell you, I am sold. The quality of their products is is, is amazing. They're, all their products are printed here in the U.S. You're not going to find better people and people with a better message than Herd of Zebras. If you use the discount code JRyan at checkout over at Herd of Zebras, you're going to get 10% off of your order. All the info for that is going to be in the description of this episode. That's www.herd-of-zebras.com. Promo code JRyan for 10% off today. One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has an awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash JRyan, you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial. And if you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel. No harm, no foul, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog, read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. The term boots on the ground usually denotes that action is being taken, that something is being done, unless we're talking about Aaron O'Neill and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. And quite literally, when we say boots on the ground, we mean her boots, as she is on the ground every day up in the mountains of Appalachia working with horses that the world has basically forgotten. From mineral supplementation to medical care to rounding up bachelor stallions, it is Erin, her pickup truck, and her dogs doing 99% of the work. So when she accepted a partnership with this show, I was more than elated. And she's not paying me. I just want to help. This is how ingrained this subject is to me. As an ethnic Appalachian and a lover of horses, how could I not want to play some role in what's transpiring in Kentucky and West Virginia. So if you want to be part of the amazing work that Aaron's doing, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Legacy Initiative in the show notes of this episode. And I invite everyone to go click it. Even if you don't donate, just read a little bit of the work that she's doing. And you're going to gain a whole new appreciation for what it means to be a horseman. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our latest partner here on Behind the Horse's Eyes, and that is Herd of Zebras. You can find them over at www.herd-of-zebras.com. And Herd of Zebras is more than just an equestrian lifestyle brand. It's a global community of just badass people who inspire others with their perseverance, grit, compassion, and authenticity. And what other people might call scars, whether it be physical or emotional, they call stripes. It's the experiences and the hardships that cause us to become stronger, kinder, and braver. Unlock all of that over at Herd of Zebras. I wear their shirts constantly. I was lucky enough for them to send me some swag. Um, I've done some promotional stuff for them. I'm going to tell you, I am sold. The quality of their products is, is, is amazing. They're 
All their products are printed here in the U.S. You're not going to find better people and people with a better message than Herd of Zebras. If you use the discount code JRyan at checkout over at Herd of Zebras, you're going to get 10% off of your order. All the info for that is going to be in the description of this episode. That's www.herd-of-zebras.com. Promo code JRyan for 10% off today. I'm wearing a Herd of Zebras shirt right now, by the way. For those that are watching along, the, the bays. Dang, son. Save some for the end of the show. Bourbon. Hey, I, I'm going to say, if and when you get Aaron back on here, I, I don't care if I'm in another episode. I want to be oh, a part of happen. that. Uh, in fact, Aaron is in... Uh, she sent me a message the other day and said she was back in civilization temporarily uh, and wanted to come on. I, I try to have her on at least once a quarter to give an update uh, on the, the horses up there. So, Well, it, it, it especially, you know, hits me because when my wife was in medical school, we were at University of Pikeville in Pike County, Kentucky. A lot of, there's a ton of feral horses up there. And, uh, I mean, that was... I mean, looking back on it, we've been married for almost 14 years now. And that was years, you know, one through five of us being there. I saw those horses all over those strip mines when I was turkey hunting and deer hunting. I actually had some horses pull. uh, It was actually funny. Um, I'd gone out the night before uh, turkey season to try to roost a turkey. And I came back and I heard of those horses had actually pulled a bunch of my crap out of the back of my truck. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, they, they are, they definitely are, you know, horses that are near and dear to me. So, yeah, she's going to be, uh, she's going to be back on soon. I, I don't know exactly, exactly. In fact, it reminds me to shoot her a text and be like, Hey woman, what are you doing? Are you, are you still in civilization? If so, I need you. Uh, I'm going to tell you this too. So one, it was a, it was a turkey season in the spring, you know, April, May, I was up there and I came up on a herd and, uh, there was a big mammoth Jack. Oh yeah. Running with them. And one of the mares had the prettiest little mule foal I've ever. And I was like, how many, how many years ago was this? You give me a trailer and a rope. Uh, this would have been. 2000, let's see, we got married in, so it have been 2014, 2015. Because she has been following a mule somewhere, and it would be some, it would be some crap if it ended up being the mule that, that, uh, you saw. Because she's, she's been following some mule for the last couple of years up there. Th- this one was in Pike County. On a on a strip job, and uh, pretty pretty as a picture. And, and the thing is, is those horses are different, you know, than those BLM horses. These these horses interact with people regularly yeah. on those strip jobs, so you can walk up to them. Um, I, I wasn't so naive as to reach out and try to grab them or something like that. I'll just but give uh, a little pet. It'll be you fine. know, you get a good close look. <laughs> right, you gotta right. boop the snoot and uh, just, just boop, boop the snoot. The snoot. Yep. It's fine. 
Like yeah. they're not. I mean, they're not feral <laughs> or anything. Well, you know, just a little feral. They're not wild. They're just feral. Let's put it that way. Just, 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 just a touch. Just, just walk a right touch. up, pet it. You know, boop this newt, pet it on the butt. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, had had situations been different, I'd have been trying to get a rope around that mare. Are you gonna do if, if you find if you and get her you, in that fall you onto find a trailer? You're like, tell Aaron. There's no telling where that horse is nowadays. No telling. It's uh, I don't. I mean, it's probably. I don't know if it's not dead. It's still up there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing, you know. When we were there, when we lived down there, there's so in the very early. I think it was 2001. They started their elk reintroduction project in Kentucky. So there's by that point there were quite a few elk around. Um, you know, th- those horses fill the same niche that elk yeah. did. I saw historically. I saw an elk in uh, Eastern Tennessee. They've reintroduced some there. And uh, the one I saw had a tag on it, but I was like, holy shit, that's an elk. Holy hell, that thing is big. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We used to have them come down into the field. When we were when we lived out there, they'd come down into a little field next to our house. And, uh, you know, that for, for a young person that's never seen an elk before that hunts, you know, seeing a live elk are the things that dreams are made of. You just you're just like that, and that trigger finger starts getting a little itchy, and you're like, "Will just anybody a, find out that? No, nobody's gonna find out. Nobody's gonna know. Yeah, everybody's gonna know. Shit. Right, know. right. And and we owned we owned three acres. So when we went there to med school, we bought a little a small lot and we put a single wide trailer on it. That's where we yeah. lived, and. uh we actually had elk on my property or on our property, but the vast majority of our lot, with the exception of like a hundred feet by a hundred feet, was at like an 80, 85 degree slope. So I heard lots of them, but uh, I had zero desire to actually go up there and look for them, look for sheds or anything like that. Oh yeah, you know you climb the hill twenty feet and you're above our house. So an elk shed, an elk shed would be behind me. Like I have a, I have a bunch of mm-hmm. white tail sheds. Like you know, I, when I find them, I usually give them to the dogs as chew toys. Like you know, unless yeah, because yeah, you never here. find them in pairs. Seriously, it's just one. Like you know, I don't I, like I I used to keep them and be like, look at all my sheds, and then I was like, what am I gonna do with all these sheds? You know, build a lamp? No, that's not my speed. You know. Yeah, right. so I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> a chandelier. A chandelier. Like now, now, if they were elks, I'd build a chandelier. But then I would also have a cabin if I could afford to hunt elk, you know, all the time. So, but the the way you right. felt about that right. elk is the same way I feel about doves out of season. Like when I see doves sitting on a when I see doves <laughs> sitting on a power line, I'm like, you just wait to September, October. Just wait, just wait, you know. Yeah. Or or when I see sandhill cranes. And I'm like, you just don't know you're the filet mignon of the sky. You know? <laughs> like, everybody listening that doesn't hunt or eat wild game has no idea what we're talking about. Oh, doves. Dub- doves are delicious. Doves are not gamey. 
they're they're it, uh, you've eaten dove, right, Jay? Yeah. Oh, oh it's yeah. a red meat. Yeah. And it's yep. very tight grained. Uh, I equate dove to like beef tongue. If you've had like beef tongue tacos or something like that, very similar grain to meat. Uh, mm-hmm. Very beefy. Dove, dove, very reminiscent of beef. Um, doesn't taste like beef. Doesn't taste like chicken. It tastes like dove. Um, but it's not. It's not gamey. It seasons very, very well. Um, I use. I make a vinegar base marinade. I put them in. Um, get a little Worcestershire. You know, I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's the way I've said it my whole life. A little wash your sister sauce. Yeah, it's close wash enough. your sister sauce. Wash your sister. Uh, uh, you know that red pepper, uh, garlic, a few other things. I let them. I let them soak in that overnight, and then pull them out towel dry them off and uh, either make jalapeno poppers out of them you know take a jalapeno cut it in half cord out cream cheese jalapeno yeah, and bacon run a toothpick through it throw it on the grill or I'll run them on skewers and make kebabs with peppers and onions I'm telling you and, and I'll say this I'll say this you know I, I'm one of those people that are you know get the bacon out of wild game because it is good if yeah, you know how to cook it. it it tastes like ass to me but with doves, jalapeno, some uh, seasoned cream cheese, oh, and yeah. bacon. Oh, you're not okay. You're not talking about better. wild bacon because I was like, there's very little bacon on a wild pig. No, no, no. I'm I'm talking about no. everybody that wants to wrap everything you know, in bacon. Like doves are perfectly fine if you took a whole dove, plucked it, uh, you know. Cleaned it out and, and and cooked it as a whole bird. In fact, there's a lot of people that eat them as a whole bird. To me, on a dove, like there's not enough meat there on the leg and the wing for me to just leave it intact. Like you know, I'm just everybody's like, "That's a waste." I'm like, I'm, I'm, "What am I wasting? Like a spoonful of meat that I really have to pull <laughs> right. apart." You know, so right. I pull the breast out of mine. And uh, just I do the same with wood ducks. Like I don't cook whole wood ducks. I eat wood duck breasts, which to me, which to me, yeah, wood yeah. ducks are like giant doves. That's exactly what wood ducks taste like for some reason for me. Oh, you know, you you start talking when you're talking duck hunting. You, I'd rather, uh, I'd, I would rather. Here's my thing. Before you get started on that, you give me a teal or a wood duck. You can keep every keep mallard every you ever see. My buddies go every year, and they go to Arkansas and everywhere else, and they line their tailgates to those pretty green head ducks, and I'm like, that's cool. I'll be down in the swamp hunting wood ducks so I can kill something I want to eat. Absolutely. I no I'm offense, the same way. Listen, guys, it's a sport like anything else. And you got a good dog, it, it's, and you're hey, out there, it, and, and, you know, and you eat them greenhead ducks, that's awesome. Me, personally, I don't give two shits about a greenhead duck. Just like me, Jade, you love the turkey hunt. I don't give two shits about turkey hunting. I don't like wild turkey. I think yeah. wild turkey is gross. Yeah, yeah. Here, here's the thing, and, and don't get me wrong. If it's a duck, I'll shoot it. I no, don't no, care what kind No, no, if a greenhead duck flies over, it's if just it flies, fun, it dies. Okay? You know? I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it. Yeah, I'm gonna exactly. Bitch about, oh God, why did I kill this son of a bitch? He tastes like ass. This greasy son of a bitch. But, but exactly. I'm, you know, but you start talking, you know, different ducks. You give me teal. You give me wood ducks. I'm gonna cook that up as a standalone yeah. meal. Here's here's the thing. If I shoot a limb at a mallards, it's going in gumbo. Yeah. I was about to say mallards do. But here's the thing. They 
mallards, greenhead. When we say mallards, we're talking about greenhead ducks. Or when I say greenhead ducks, we're talking about mallards. They take the season very well, and they do well in soups and stews and, and stuff like that. Like they're perfect for that. But to throw one in the oven, no. Like that's just. And I know there's somebody out there going, "You're full of crap, dude." I, I love those things, and man, more power to you if you like them. They're not for me. Like, call me a wuss or whatever. I don't like them. I don't like eating wild turkey. I don't like greenhead ducks, but I will take all the sandhill cranes, wood ducks, teals, doves. I don't care if it's a ringneck dove or a morning dove. Uh, you know, if it coos and flies, it dies um, until I reach my limit. And then when I when I do, I'll throw half of them in somebody else's bucket that hadn't reached their limit. Uh, I didn't say that on live on air. One, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes, I'll say this before we try to get back on track. Um one of my favorite quotes is uh, Phil Robertson, the duck commander. He says, "One, you know, you've got teal and wood ducks, then you got mallards. The further right you start getting in that list of ducks, the more garlic yeah. you add." Yeah. Listen, everything is edible with enough garlic, G- garlic salt and garlic powder. I'm firmly convinced. Yep. But here, all right. So, and I was going to say this before we get back on track. Right. Here is my philosophy on ducks. You hunt teals and wood ducks. When you wanna, when you wanna have a good cookout, you hunt mallards when you wanna impress your hunting friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've said for years, you know, the the wood ducks and teal, they go in. Well, either they get cooked that night or they go in the freezer. The uh, mallards, gadwall, you know, start moving on from that list. That goes into the gumbo when I have. A cookout, yeah, with people I showing up. I don't want them I had to eat an opportunity my good ducks. A couple of years ago, to go to uh, Argentina and hunt doves, um, and yep, and what? You know, the, the doves there blacken the sky, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, there I was all geared up to go, and there, we were, you know, it was about six months before we were going to go, and the guys like, listen, I can buy the package, and all these five guys to go in, and. and it covers. It was covering airfare, the stay, and everything for, for uh, somebody's upset. For you know, like, uh, like three or four in. days down there. I hope it's my wife. For like three or four days down there, dove hunting. You know, it was covering everything, and it was going to cost us, I don't know, a little over a thousand dollars a piece, which is super cheap to go. Right. I said, oh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Hell yeah, because there's no limit. Like they migrate through there. Like you can literally kill all the doves you want, and won't put a dent in the population. So I was like, "Yeah, cool, I'm down." And then I found out you can't bring them home. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not paying that, and I can't, I can't put them in the freezer." Like I'm, and they were like, "Are <laughs> right. you serious?" And I'm exactly. like, "Yeah, I'm dead ass serious." Like I dove hunt because I like to eat doves. I don't dove hunt because I want to shoot birds. Like if I want to shoot birds, yeah. I'll shoot clay pigeons. Like, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. go somewhere and get yeah, some exactly. first clays, and I'll, I'll go shoot those. I hunt birds because I like to eat birds. End of story. Yep. You know, and they it was just, they could not wrap their mind. Wrap their, well, you get to eat some while you're there. I'm not going to be able to eat the hundred or so birds that I kill on down there. And if I can't bring them home, what's the point of going? They're like, for the experience. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm I get going. It. And you want me to go that bad, then you pay for me to go. And I won't shoot while I'm there. You won't shoot? No, because I'm. if I can't eat them, I'm not going to shoot them. 
Sorry. It's just, I don't know. For one, it's an ethical thing for me, and two, it's a common sense thing for me. Like, like I'm not for you know, like you know, I'm I'm not a huge deer hunter. I do deer hunt. Usually, when I deer hunt, when doe season's in, I'll take a nice small doe and put her in the freezer. I'm not hunting bucks to put on the wall. Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm out there and one just happens to walk out and he's gorgeous, sorry, buddy, you're taking a dirt nap. But I'm not actively out there looking for a wall hanger. You know what I mean? Not knocking anybody who's out there looking for a wall hanger. It takes all kinds of hunters. You got to thin bucks out of these herds, especially these young bucks. You know, that you know that's a part of being a hunter. It's a part of being a conservationist. Um, but for me personally, like I'm not hunting bucks to put in the freezer. You know what I mean? I'm hunting does to put in the freezer. Yeah. And then once the freezer is full, uh, I might. I might go out there and sit and look for that one particular buck to come walk out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, regulations vary state to state. Up here in Kentucky, we only get one buck. I'm going to be what? picky. That's just, yeah, we, we get one buck a seat. That's it. We are a one buck state. Um, You know, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to shoot does. First three does that we get four deer a year up here. Three bucks, or I mean, three does, one buck. I'm I'm gonna shoot the first three does that walk by. I'm picky on my yeah. buck tag, you know. But well, you have to be if you're only if, hitting one. It, it, exactly. Here's the thing: exactly when I, when I run out of um, antlered tags here, I just go to DNR and buy more antlered tags. <laughs> they're they're like right. five bucks or something, which I've never yeah. had to buy anymore because again, I don't deer hunt. I don't fill all my tags. You know, in a year, uh, a buddy of mine, he'll he'll fill his, you know, and then his wife will, will fill all of hers or he'll help her wink, wink, fill hers. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, geez, but, you know, he's got three or four freezer freezers. They eat venison about every meal. That's the red meat of choice in that house. I get it. They're not they're not really right. They're bending the rules, but they're not breaking the rules. Like if she can't hunt and. And he takes a deer or something, you know, he'll be like, I'm using your tag, you know. But, yeah. Right. Probably, uh, that's probably a felony or something. I'm throwing him under the bus. But, uh. <laughs> you didn't I, mention I, I didn't any names. names. But, you know, but, you know, it's like this. It, it's well within their tags. Like, they're not taking deer that they do not have tags for, you know, is what I'm trying to say. And, uh. Yeah. Everything yeah. goes in the freezer there. Like, you know, when they'll take their bucks, yeah, yeah. even if it's a nice trophy buck, it'll go to the processor and it'll get cut right in front of the shoulder. And then he'll take that to the taxidermist. And he's got word now, he likes European mounts, or he'll just take the head off and do a Euro mount. That's, you can't see it from here, but that's, I've got a whole can't wall in here that's just Euro can't see mounts. see the forest for the trees. Right, right, yeah. That gone. We went down it's another okay. rabbit it hole. Happens. This is this this episode is going to be called "Shooting the Breeze with Jade." Hey, it's that's fun. Right. People just people are learning about us right now. Maybe that's what we had to do. We had to just do it. No, that, that episode we get no listening. We just talk about our background. You know, listen. Not everybody can have Marty yeah. Rayburn's bass player as their co-host. <laughs> Man, I, my my background is so varied. I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm I'm not going to highlight my entire life. I have been extremely fortunate to do pretty well 
everything I've ever wanted to do, short of being an astronaut. I mean, I'm sure you've taken some stuff in your younger days that made you feel like it. I mean, <laughs> right. right. You know, I, I, got, I, I got to play... I got to play music for a living. You know, when I got out of, of, uh, after I got out of college, I played music. Um, when my daughter was born, I had the opportunity to work in a zoo setting, which is something I always wanted to do. Um, and then eventually ended up playing music again. Um, I mean, I've, I've had a really varied career history. But I wouldn't trade any yeah, it, of it for anything. It, it makes us who we are. Like, you know. And, and there's one thing about the horse world, kind of come in full circle, is you've got so many different people with so many different backgrounds that all kind of come together for one thing. And that's why I, I always find it funny. Like, when the entire horse world unites behind one thing, it's it always, like, kind of throws me for a loop because usually we spend so much time because we are so diverse just eating each other alive. Like there's so many different personalities. Yeah, yeah. like like you yeah. and I see eye to eye on a lot. You, now I'm not saying we see eye to eye on everything, but we see eye to eye on a lot. And that's why we're buddies. But you know, there are folks out there that I I respect as horsemen, but I could not sit down and have a beer with, and have normal conversation. Because uh, absolutely, I'm just like, we're not we're not gonna do that. I had a good friend of mine. Now now a guy that I could sit down and have a beer with. Uh, I made a comment. There's a shirtless guy yanking the face out of this mare on TikTok, and I made the comment, "Wow, we're just throwing, we're just throwing horsemanship out the window for clout." And a good buddy of mine goes, "Man, he goes, when he goes, if a barrel racer starts talking about horsemanship, I'm gonna scream a little." And I'm sitting there going, "Wait a minute, I'm literally wearing a buckle that names me the state AQHA champion in horsemanship. You can be both." Like, I was literally wearing that buckle, and I was reading that comment, and I was like, and I knew he was joking, but I got so mad, and then I looked down at my belt buckle, and I was like, oh, yeah, I wore this one today. <laughs> yeah, joke's on you. <laughs> well, you know, I've made a lot of friends over the years, in the horse world included, you know, um, and I was thrilled to death whenever I got to sit in on that podcast with you with uh, Skylar and Jade. And one of the coolest things to me was, you know, here's four people, um, you know, and and, and this is, this is, this is what grinds my gears with, with politics nowadays. You know, you have so many people that share so much in common. And so many of them are willing to throw all of the common ground away for those few yeah. differences, here's, which is yeah, stupid here's to where me. I stand, and I'm like this, like, and it's along those lines. Is like ninety nine point nine percent of the people out there on the planet share way more in common than they don't. Like really, they they all really uh, want uh, yeah. the same things. They want to be happy. They want to be able to take care of their families. Uh, they want to indulge in whatever hobbies that they have, um, and be you know free from persecution for whatever that is, be it horses or cycling or you know hiking or whatever that is. Um, you know, and and those are just you know they want to be able to practice whatever religion they can without anybody looking down on them. They want to be able to be themselves without being attacked for just being themselves. Like, 
these are all things people want. But people do not know how to have civil conversation. It doesn't matter on which end of the spectrum that you're on politically. Uh, and I promise you this ties into horses uh, because when you look at uh, different breed shows, different disciplines and stuff like that, other disciplines and other breeds are always attacking each other. And deep down, they're really trying to do the same shit. They're just doing it in a different way, in a different form, with different tack. And the, the same philosophy can be applied, again, outside of the show ring because, you know, again, we all really kind of want the same things. Yet, you know, we're just pitted against each other. Like, seriously, I'm I'm very middle of the road, but I could take someone like, you know, a really good friend of mine who is like ultra, ultra, ultra conservative. And yet I still have friends that are like super uber liberal. And they're both absolutely obnoxious while they're saying the exact same things. And we'll argue with each other about the exact yeah. same things. One's just wanting it one way and the other's wanting the saying, well, you know, you're just wanting to take away this. The other's like, no, I'm not doing that. What you're wanting to do is hamper me from doing this. Well, no, I'm not wanting to hamper you from doing that. But, but by you wanting to do that, it makes you one of these. You know, no, it don't make me one of these. That makes you one of these. You know, and I'm like, you're both freaking morons. Listen to yourselves. Exactly. Jeez. Oh, exactly. Louise. You know, which is why... You know, which is why I, I'm really, I mean, it, it, it's been a blessing, really, you know, doing the stuff that I have with you um, on, on your shows with other people, you know, people that, that, that look past their individual differences and really hone in on that common yeah. ground. Listen, I don't, I don't hang out with people that are just toxic to be toxic. Like I say, listen. I exactly. say shit that's abrasive sometimes. I say shit that can be perceived as pretty fucking ignorant sometimes. It, it is what it is. I don't mean it with malice. It's just, that's just how it comes out. And if it hurts your feelings, then suck it up, buttercup. Listen. No, nobody's yeah. attacking you personally. Um, you know, like, we just, you know, when I was a kid when we were going to school, and again, I can equate this to horses, uh, we were taught to be individuals. Our teachers told us, go against the grain. Be an individual. Be your own person. Do it your way. And it's almost like we've got out of that mindset I, now to where if we don't follow a particular group or a particular set of rules, and you see that with horse training and everything else too, uh, then you're just attacked for it. Well, no, I kind of do stuff like this. I get the same result, but this is what works for me. You're an idiot. You're a moron. That's abuse. No, it's not. Using a round corral and not giving him a treat because he stopped and looked at me is not abuse. Like, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. like, you know, you see it with like the positive reinforcement crowd, crowd versus like the traditional horsemanship crowd. And my God, you know, you're getting the same results. One is literally not better than the other, really, in the long run. Like, I'd lean more traditionally. There yeah. are. There are aspects of positive reinforcement that that uh, that do work at times for some particular horses, but you know if you're firmly dipping your toe in one, and not dabbling in the other, or even reaching to a, a third party there when it comes to horse training and teaching teaching an, a, a horse as an individual, the only thing that you're doing is failing the horse. At the end of the day, yeah, right? yeah. But yeah. instead of realizing that, instead you're setting of realizing it up. that, you're too busy calling. You know, telling somebody, you know, that they're, 
their fear training or telling somebody their treat training, you know, grow up, grow up. Yeah. It's like the same people that say, 100%. Uh, oh, well, I won't, I won't buy an off-the-track thoroughbred. I'm going to pay all that money on a horse that I got to retrain. What What are you retraining? It's a horse that will it'll load exactly. anywhere under any circumstances, desensitized to everything. Uh, I don't know. How many, you know, two, three thousand horses, uh, dollar horses can you go buy that will stand there for the for the farrier, uh, stand there for the vet, you know, and cross ties, will lead, load, and do flying fucking lead changes. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look at it exactly. I look at it as, you know, you're you're not retraining a horse. You're just adding to whatever it's got, which is gonna make it more valuable. Really, and 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 that's just coming from from the yeah. perspective. You know, I've got a friend that trains off the track horses. She looks at them as well, investments. That's exactly what they are. You know, you here's know. the thing: if you people that get into off the track horses and are good with off track, now you have to be a very particular type of individual uh, to work with off track horses. Those are super powerful horses. A lot of the times, their mannerisms can be a little off putting. You have to know exactly what you're getting into when you get into those horses. Like they're not really for the faint of heart. But to sit there and say you've got to completely retrain that horse to start her from the ground up, if that's what you're doing, you're wasting time. You're wasting your time and that horse's time. You're probably going to screw the horse up. Let's just be honest with you. It, exactly. You know, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, if you look at off-the-track thoroughbreds and, and you're calling yourself a trainer and you say they have to be completely retrained, stop training horses. Now, there's there's probably yes. there, they, yes. there are probably some individual horses out there that were just shot out. Uh, that that needed a little extra attention, but for the vast majority, really, I'm gonna tell you right now. I've seen off the trackers literally their first day on the farm, retired, that can just hack out as a pleasure horse, and be perfectly fine. absolutely. Then I've seen some just be yeah. nuts. You know, they're big powerful horses. They're mm-hmm. off the track. They're race horses. They're gonna act like race horses. But that doesn't mean they had to be completely retrained. Well, it goes back to it, it goes back to what you said earlier. You know, it's almost like horses are individuals. Oh, concept. <gasps> oh man, look at that. We've we've knocked out an hour and twenty minutes, and it's only a quarter after eight. Yeah, well, we have, haven't we? Worked out pretty good. Well, I just I, I I ran to the bathroom and I was like. I've got two more beers in the fridge. There you go. So I still got to go. I still Friday night, so I still got to go live after this. You know, I, I tried to hijack your live there uh, the other night when you were going, and I clicked on the request, and it was like you have to be <coughs> approved to go live. I still don't have a thousand followers yet, followers, so I'm not approved to go live. Like nine hundred and twenty-five. I'm getting there. All right, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get you to a thousand tonight. I, I, I'm gonna look. Hold on. I'm gonna tell you how many I need. Oh, CJ. I have nine hundred and twenty-six followers, so I need seventy-four. I think I can do that. I've gotten to break to a thousand that didn't have, but like four hundred before. So I'm pretty sure I can get you those tonight. <laughs> that that would be that that would be killer because I was gonna go I was wanting to go live during the uh, the pigs and pearls you know yeah. the Marsh Tacky get together 
And uh, at that time, I had like I wish you had said something because I would have went live. It, it would have been cool. I could have grabbed, could have, could have grabbed, uh, could have grabbed Miranda wherever she was. She was poking in and out of the storm trying to stay dry. Right. So, we could have got Colin. Colin would have went hammed up. Oh gosh, yeah, I've been messaging with him. I got to get all of those guys on because he's for a show and talk tackies. Yes, yes. Well, he's been working on a, uh, um, he he's a an aspiring leather worker, and he's putting me together a pulling collar that's supposed to be ready for the the oh, annual nice. meeting, and uh, and uh, so he's been. Last couple of days, he's been messaging me. Where where do you want your initials put? And because I just got a new saddle, and he's matching it up with the saddle. So he, uh, I like Colin. Colin's, Colin's good a good people, guy. So on that note, they, they that all note, are. Though, we should probably wrap it up. We've gone down every rabbit hole we could possibly go down. Yeah, haven't we? Though I still got to. We've t- we've talked about a lot. Yeah, I still got to I still got to go live. Oh, we'll put a marker here. That way we can just pick back up. <laughs> but anyway, on that note, uh, you ready to wrap this shit wagon up? Yeah, yeah. man. I I wouldn't call it a shit wagon. It was. Oh no! We we, no, no, we no, no. shared this a lot. This episode of... was great. Uh, the show is a shit wagon. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll refer I to it real, as that from now on. I just realized what my hair looked like. Damn, it looked like I just crawled out of bed and threw on a shirt and was like, "I'm a podcaster." <laughs> That's yeah. why I put a hat on. Yeah, Got to do, so, do something. So, want to thank all our sponsors, Jay. Always a pleasure, buddy. Uh, Got to yeah, hop buddy. on. It's Friday night that we're recording this. You guys aren't probably going to hear this till Monday, but. uh uh, got to do my got to do my live, uh, and we got to get we got to get Jade to a thousand followers so he can go live, so he can hop on some of these Q and As and that shit show which is ultimately my lives on TikTok. They've been doing pretty good here lately. It's been a lot of fun. Get get a lot of interesting questions though, like you know, not horse related, but interesting questions. Questions, questions or questions. questions. So, with that said, though, thank you so much, buddy, for stopping by. I want to thank Audible. You can use Audible Trial um, forward slash J Ryan for free audio book. If you decide you don't want to uh, continue, you can cancel anytime. Keep that free audio book. Um, look up Snowman. That whole story, $80 Horse, I think that book is called. Uh, that's an awesome book. Go read that book. Um, or listen to that book rather on audible audibletrial.com forward slash J Ryan. Her zebras use the code J Ryan for 10% off. Uh, Appalachian Legacy Initiative. Find Feral Aaron on Facebook and uh, go donate there. Uh, help a gal live her dream, taking care of those feral horses up in Appalachia. Uh, merch. Also, go buy your horse daddy t shirt. Help me pay the bills and feed my horses. Um, Got a new logo for the podcast, by the way, Jay. I don't know if you've noticed it. I don't have it up in here. Uh, got it back. Actually, I have had it for over a month from the graphic artist. And I'm slowly incorporating it on social media. 
Yeah, I so haven't seen it. You guys download this episode. Uh, it'll look a little different. You won't see the horses with the teal lettering anymore. It'll be be kind of a it'll be black and red with a horse uh, wearing a jacket and headphones and being all cool. And if you guys hate it, tell me you hate it. We'll go back to the old one. I don't care. Um, but yeah. Just keep in mind, I paid money to have somebody make this graphic, so uh, be kind to my wallet and to my artist. He's a good buddy of mine. Uh, I think it's really stinking cool. That's just me. Um, regardless, though, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Uh-huh.